0: Welcome to the LodgeCast, the official podcast of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. I'm your host, Mr. M. This is being recorded at the Lodge in Whittier, California. We're on the 13th floor of the penthouse suite. That's right, folks. We went to the top of Whittier's tallest building, took it over, and we're here filming. You're tuned in to episode 14. We have a great guest lined up for you. We have the founder of the brewery, Patrick Rue. If you've watched any of my podcasts, you would be well aware of the brewery's beer. So you're gonna to want to stay tuned for that interview coming up a little bit later. Today is June 23rd, 2017. Remember, you can find us on our website, gentlemensavenuecom forward slash the Lodgecast. On social media, on Instagram, you can find us at Lodgecast, Twitter at the Lodgecast. All these are on iTunes, Google Play, Blurberry, and on our website. You can stream it, you can download it, and don't forget. Not only do we have the podcast, which is the audio only portion, but we also have the vodcast, which is the video. So all the stuff that we're going to be talking about and the graphics I'll be putting on the screen, you guys will be able to see that. So make sure you check out the vodcast and the podcast. This episode is sponsored by our house brand, Old Duck Grooming. You're going to want to check out this little video I'm going to play right now. So I'll be right back. Check it out. I spent hundreds of hours researching all natural ingredients and discovered for thousands of years they have been used for medicine and grooming. I also researched and found the highest quality ingredients to produce an all natural, zero toxin, no chemical shave cream. My product was not developed in a laboratory or by some machine. It was developed with passion, innovation and creativity. My product not only promotes healing, but also revitalization. The days of needing shave oil, shave cream, aftershave, and moisturizing lotion for your face are gone our product is an all-in-one. We sent our product to barbers from around the world and nobody has ever seen a shave cream perform and provide the nourishment and revitalization as ours does. There is nothing on the market like it today. Shaving is the most traumatic act that you can do in grooming and that is why our product promotes healing and revitalization. Old Duck Grooming is committed to the highest quality ingredients to produce the highest quality product. Check us out at oldduckltd.com. Alright, so that's that. So the latest and the greatest with gentlemen'savenue.com. Uh it's been a crazy busy week. Uh, we just wrapped up on last weekend. We did the uh, we revived the, uh, the series Real California. And uh, if you're familiar with that series, you can see it on YouTube. We've gone Santa Barbara, we did a Hatter, we did uh, a bar 90-year-old bar- barbershop up in Stockton, California. We went to Ed Hardy's Tattoo Studio in san francisco we went to another barber shop in the small farm town and so those are all episodes you can watch all those little episodes i mean they're really cool i haven't done it in probably i don't know maybe a year or two and so now that i got matt two strikes on board as a camera operator uh, we went out to a american vintage barber shop here in uptown whittier and we revived the series so you guys are going to want to check that out that'll be coming out probably in about three to four weeks time. So we got a lot of stuff in the works right now, and I want you guys to really, really be excited because uh, this stuff's, you know, it's really taking on what, what the culture is, what society is, what's really going on. You know, it's not just following trends. It's not about just the hashtags. It's about showing you guys real, authentic people. And speaking of real and authentic people, I would like to invite our guest, Patrick Rue, onto our set. Come on in, Patrick. How's it going, Patrick?
1: I'm doing great. How you doing, Mr. M?
0: Oh, man, I'm doing good, man. It's nice to uh, meet it's you a, finally.
1: It's a pleasure, yeah. Like, well,
0: for me, at least, there's been uh, anticipation that you would not believe.
1: Nah, this is awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of how much I've been a, a fan of the brewery. Um, I think it probably started maybe four years ago, maybe a little bit longer, maybe five years. Nice. And uh, I think the first article I did was just about the brewery I talked to. The PR person or marketing person at the time, and I yeah. uh, did. You know, I really liked the story. I mean, your your, your whole start in brewery because you own the brewery, which is B R U E R Y, right?
1: Yep, yep. Got to get my last name in there to <laughs> serve my ego.
0: You could just straighten out the mic; it's a little offset. <laughs> oh yeah, you Stop. can just turn it. There you go, cool. right there. So, uh, so it's Rue R U E, right? Yep. And so you you threw your last name in it, the brewery, because you didn't do the traditional right? B R E W, right? You did. Your last
1: name. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I named my home brewery that. And when it came time to trying to figure out a name for a brewery, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. There's like, it's very hard to find something that's authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we, I went with what I was calling my homebrew and it worked. It's so been kind of confusing. So, your
0: brew. so explain that. So, how did you get your start?
1: Yeah. Uh, so, I was going to law school at Chapman University. I, mm-hmm. was, I just got married, just graduated college and, uh, my wife was fairly annoyed with me. I was complaining about the people I was going to law school with. We're all very nice people, by the way, but just a very stressful environment. Everybody mm-hmm. was excited to be there, very nervous. Uh, the competition started early. Mm-hmm. and she told me to get a hobby. so I chose home brewing mm-hmm. and we were living in student housing. Um, so had a pretty pretty decent sized garage and I created uh, kind of converted that garage into a uh, to a small 10 gallon brewery mm-hmm. and brewed you know three to four times a week. Okay. made a lot of made a lot of beer, threw away a lot of beer and uh, <laughs> drank a lot of beer. Yeah, of course drank drank a ton of beer.
0: Quality control is paramount <laughs> definitely. So are you local?
1: Yeah as uh, so I live in Dana Point mm-hmm. um, but uh, grew up in Orange and Tustin.
0: Mm-hmm. So you started out of your house. You started as as this. So was your wife going to Chapman at the same time?
1: My wife uh, actually worked at Chapman to okay. get us uh, lower uh, lower tuition on my law school. It's pretty nice of
0: her. <laughs> Sacrifices. Yeah. Um, so you were in law school. You start this hobby, right? Just to kind of keep yourself occupied and maybe, you know, access that other part of our brains. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, it's hard to be creative as a as a law student
0: because <laughs> it's all data, 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 right? Retention, retention, retention. It's not.
1: Yeah, exactly. You think of you think of law school being able to you know you can you can be Perry Mason and create uh, <laughs> you know figure out how this controversy happened. No, nah, just like memorization of stuff. And, yeah.
0: There, yeah, you're not going to have that to kill a mockingbird moment, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fighting for social justice. No. Uh, so you're you're doing this and. You're, you're How did you start? I mean, with, as far as because did you know anything about making beer? Did you, you know, what was the process and all that?
1: Yeah, at the time I just knew how to drink beer. I didn't know, <laughs> how, to, didn't know how to make beer. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a skill I've acquired. So, um so you, but how, I mean, did you go to the library research, internet? I mean, where did you start?
1: Yeah, uh bought a
0: bunch of books.
1: Charlie mm-hmm. Papazian, who uh created the Brewers Association and the American Home Brewers Association, mm-hmm. he wrote a great book. Uh, Gosh, I can't even think of the name. Joy of Home Brewing, I think, and that—that uh, that was sort of the basis of uh, me starting out home brewing, and then read maybe another ten books about it. Got into all grain brewing, which you know, instead of just using mm-hmm. syrup like an extract, you're using um, actual barley and wheat, or you know, whatever whatever grains you want to mm-hmm. use, and doing the mashing process and all that kind of stuff. So, just kind of got deeper into it. Uh, continued to buy more crap and mm-hmm. became a better brewer.
0: And at what point did you realize, like, okay, this is more than just a hobby?
1: Um, probably second or third year of law school is very apparent that I was going to be a pretty shitty lawyer. <laughs> like, when professors say, hey, you know, have you thought about dropping out? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> Dropping out's not for losers. Sometimes sometimes winners drop out, too. Kind of they, know, they, they know me. when to quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I continued on, but I, I got the message and uh, had to figure out what to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved, I loved making beer. I thought I was pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. I was winning awards, you know, where you enter beer anonymously and county fairs and that kind of thing, and mm-hmm. coming back with medals. So. All right. Someone, someone other than my family likes my beer too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you, you, you started winning awards. What was the moment when, you, well, first of all, your the philosophy behind the brewery, because obviously is a lot different than I could very easily, you know, look at a list of long brewers and go, this is very different because of the way you're making the beer. Yeah. So how did you even adapt that to go, okay, we're not going to be like the big, whatever, three or four, I'm going to go a different route.
1: Yeah, I guess it comes goes back to the home brewing. Um, I love to cook, so I love to try new ingredients, mm-hmm. and um, I, I feel like brewing is exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of instead of making uh, that uh, you know lasagna dish two style, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to do something fun with it. Uh, same thing with a beer. Yeah. I want things that are culinary inspired. I can use spices, herbs, mm-hmm. things that you would use in food, um, and we took that approach to the brewery. So creating kind of culinary inspired beers, uh, doing a lot of barrel aging, um, basically, I don't know, going the extra mile to make uh, really interesting beers because there's so many great breweries out there. How, you know, mm-hmm. how are we going to stand out?
0: Well, the thing is, I, what I've found is that it's not just, you know, there's people that are being advantageous for the sake of just to see if they can do it. Not necessarily if it's good. Yeah. There's yeah. some things that just should not be made, <laughs> you know, um, it's funny because one time I bought uh, this, this, I have a, we have some pretty nice liquor stores up here yeah. that carry some really cool stuff. And so I go in and I'm going out to dinner with a friend, um, he's a real good mentor of mine, an older gentleman from India. This guy's like, you go to his house for dinner, it's like a six or eight hour experience. Wow. And he's bringing out wines and beers. So I, I, I go to the liquor store and I tell the guy, I say, you know what? Uh, I want this beer. My friend's Indian. Uh, Well, you know what? What's a good thing? And he goes, oh, I have these. We only have like 10 or 12. He gives me this beer and I look at it and it's got like uh, turmeric. It has a lot of the Indian spices. So I'm like, cool, I'll buy it. So I bought this bottle or whatever it was and I took it to him. And my friend's like, dude, this is so cool. Let's drink it. So I had a sip and that's about all I could bear. And then he drank, and he drank the whole damn thing. And we're in his kitchen, he's cooking. And he starts pointing, he goes, well, this is, uh, to, he starts naming the spices. He goes, I have all these here. Wow. He goes, they're good for cooking, <laughs> but not good for drinking. And I'm thinking, about, and I, I never thought about that. Maybe at times you shouldn't do, you know, and to have that right. decision. Because in cooking also, right, you can't make something that nobody's going to eat. Right. <laughs> and But that goes into it because I've had so many different, Amazing, amazing beers at the brewery because you guys have a you're located right there in my hometown, nice Placentia, California, and you guys have a tasting room, right?
1: Yep, yep, we got two tasting rooms, uh, one in uh, Placentia at our original brewery, and then one over at Brewery Taru in uh, Anaheim. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, going back to yeah, so- sometimes there are things that do not belong in beer, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, when you're eating something, you know, it's uh, it's I don't know, there's Different flavors that are going to work in your beer. You know, beer is generally a, uh, you know, malt is sweet. So, what are what are things that are going to complement sweet malt? Mm-hmm. Or if you have, make, make a super dry beer, mm-hmm. you know, there's certain spices that can be really overwhelming with a super dry yeah. beer.
0: And I don't know. It's just. Yeah. Like, um, don't make a cilantro beer. Like, you know, cilantro is good to eat. <laughs> Matter of fact, I had some uh, friends from Japan. They were here and I didn't. We made some ceviche. And I didn't know that cilantro, it's like really huge in Japan. Huh. They even have cilantro bars. Like you could go and they have like whole salads. I, I it's wow. like, I, yeah, I guess it's an acquired taste.
1: Yeah. Well, um, cilantro is the same, or, you know, coriander grows from cilantro. So mm-hmm. that's used in beer, but uh, not the cilantro part. Yeah.
0: But, you know, it's that sharp <laughs> bitterness that kind of like, right. you know what I mean? Where it's good yeah. on tacos, maybe, or a little bit on salad. Totally. Um. So this is the philosophy behind it. But then what was the pinnacle moment? The one to make it or break it, like this is it. We're going to go off in to start this did you um, win did you win an award at was it uh is it in colorado
1: um yeah the big beers festival um big beers and barley Wine festival was my first competition that i entered i was mm-hmm. just going on a family vacation out to colorado and mm-hmm. uh, to this cool festival and um why don't i enter a beer anyway so that was my first medal but um i won best of show in uh boy what was it san diego county fair and orange county fair and then Got something in LA pretty much within a few days of each other, mm-hmm. one, two County fairs. And, um, it sounds a little hokey, but it's, you know, it was a big deal for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, people like my beer.
0: Well, it's building up, right? It's all built. It's a progression. Yeah. Or yeah. to enter. So you enter, uh, what was the beer you entered there? Boy, in, in Colorado, you
1: know, in Colorado, the first one was an IPA. So the first year I was an IPA. It wasn't very good. And, uh, I think the second year, um, where I actually won the medal was a, uh, I believe it was an old ale. Mm-hmm. So I had some oak in there. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, pretty fun beer.
0: So then that moment, did you sat there and you told your wife, like, okay, this is it? Or how did that all happen? Or you just, she just knew?
1: Um, well, I started applying for jobs at law firms mm-hmm. and wasn't getting a lot of calls back. Uh, <laughs> Just became very apparent that you know, my uh, my future was going to be in beer and not not on the legal side. So uh, wrote my business plan while I was studying for the bar, and um, mm-hmm. you know just made it happen. And fl- I, I thankfully did not pass the bar. So that, so <laughs> even even yeah. trying to like hang a shingle and be a lawyer was not a uh, option for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, about a year later, we got uh, got the brewery open, and uh, been it's been been crazy. <laughs>
0: Well, you know I'm a little parched, so let's get uh, let's get a bottle out. Cool. Um, this bottle that I have, so as you guys can see, if you look on the screen, they have these amazing cups. Um, they have what is that? The ideal pour limit? Is that what that is? The marker up there?
1: Yeah, it's a uh, point four uh, yeah. liters. So probably kind of suggest filling it at uh, for say beers that are under 8%. If you're going to go some, with a bigger beer, probably like to pour a little little bit lower. Well,
0: we're going to have to go a little bit lower on this no, one. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, let me just. She's, she's sweating more than I am at this moment. <laughs> um, had to kind of crack the wax seal, and I'll put it up there. And I believe it's either a 2013 or 2014. It's the Black Tuesday. Um, and we've had this bottle for a long time. Nice. Uh, just having it age there. And if you guys can see in the shot, I kind of already started the wax seal right? because uh, we've had technical difficulties on set with wax seals. <laughs> yeah, wax is, so, a, wax is a pain for sure. When it's cold, it just kind of like really hardens. Right. Um, so what could you tell me about the Black Tuesday? Why is it so special? It's Black
1: Tuesday was our, I'd say one of the beers that kind of put us on the map in uh, 2008, one of our... First batches was this kitchen sink beer. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I needed to get rid of a lot of uh, grains that I had uh, uh, been using for piloting different batches and things like that. And so I used what I think twenty different, twenty different grains in this uh, in this beer and aged it. Uh, the Is that goal- good? You want to hire? No, that's perfect. Thank you. The goal was to have a twenty uh, percent beer, and uh, we almost hit there that first year with nineteen and a half percent alcohol. Uh, just a big Imperial Stout, uh, aged in bourbon barrels for about a year. Uh, we had a horrible, horrible day brewing it. I swore that I'd never make this beer again. Mm-hmm. And that's true. I've only brewed this beer once, and that was the first batch. Really? <laughs> and I made other people brew it from there, <laughs> then on out. But, um, yeah, this batch, I don't know. it's look at what the yeah, EBV you- is on this one. It, it differs every year because we blend uh, from a variety of barrels mm-hmm. and a variety of batches that reach a different level of alcohol, just because every batch is... Uh, kind of its own deal so this one is 18.9 percent alcohol so one of our lower ABV batches which so you
0: you just said that this it's so it's 18.9 yeah is one of the lower batches of a black Tuesday yep because it's an imperial style aged in bourbon barrels um actually I was funny because I was trying to find the year on this one but I couldn't find it maybe you could find it we couldn't we were debating whether it was 13 or 14 yeah um for a long time, we
1: did the uh, dating based on the die cut, so we've never used the same die cut on uh, on a bottle of Black Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, now none of us can figure out what date, <laughs> if we have to go back to a spreadsheet. yeah, What date is that uh, label? Let's see if we put a date on this one. It's probably a, yeah, there's a date code on the bottle, so it was packaged in September 18th of 2013.
0: Yeah, so it's 2013. Yep. this is an amazing bottle, so if you guys can look at it, I'll put it here on screen. Uh, we'll put it there. Salud, man. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for coming by. We'll Thank start you. this.
1: All right. This podcast is about to get a lot more interesting with this beer. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the cussing will come out more. <laughs> Apologize, everybody. Fuck
0: the law. <laughs> I fought the law on the law. Won. Yeah. <laughs> I won. <laughs> man this uh, it's a very dark beer if you guys can see it on the camera it's a very very dark beer um it has a very uh like a caramel bourbon flavor to it i yeah. don't know if that's just from the barrel coming through but it's also that stout that wants to get almost border tart yeah but it's not you know
1: yeah the roast is really restrained um kind of burnt caramel coconut yeah um,
0: yeah very of- very good beer so now that we cracked open this, uh, it's a, to me it was a, a moment of celebration because I wanted to show you, just in case you were thinking like maybe this guy's not that big of a fan. <laughs> uh, let's hopefully the audio comes up. So these are all past episodes, and not all of them, but I, I don't know how, but I always kind of seem to come back to to bragging about the brewery. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so here we have this episode, and it's a bunch of different clips. So this is Miggs Whiskey, an amazing musician. I mean, he did a awesome set um, for us. And so as I'm handing him these um, unnamed beers, um, I, I, I mentioned the brewery. I hope the audio comes on. Nope. Of course, the audio did not come on. Not sure, we're all set here. There we go fancy beer here <laughs> the goose island the, the fancy beers call my fancy beers we've been in email <laughs> contact but you can see it right there goose island beer although you know what i've talked to my my hometown uh Placenta, california Ooh, that's where you're from yeah and the, the they have a brewery there it's they, called the brewery see, i'm just the having brewery? to brag you know the like, brewery. let me tell you it's a real beer <laughs> seriously the guy's name was rue his family name all right r-u-e so he named it the brewery you know what? I've, uh, this celebrity chef Denise Portillo. Yeah, I've, I've wow. been on this Goose Island trip links. I like the variety, but mm-hmm. out, out of my hometown in Placentia, <laughs> <or> the brewery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the brewery. Uh, they, they make this this old world style beer where it's. Mm-hmm. it's I just have to talk about it yeah. as <laughs> I'm <laughs> handing <laughs> Anyways, them these other beers. And that one is it, is it like medieval times? Because that's what up. i was like Yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. Cool. No, Goose Island, this You black Tuesday every time. 50 milliliter bottles. You can age them. These guys also, here, amazing. The barber... stickers from a brewery So I'm giving them stickers because Cambria sent me stickers. Nice. Oh, the guy brewers. on the far right in the Hawaiian yeah, shirt, they're, uh, he was... Uh, like beer they're from Portugal, the they both do, barbers. They do, know, the barbers. The one on the middle and they one on the right. Old world wow. style beer. So you can actually age he, it. He was a lawyer. We he, got a, we you got can a, age it like wine. We got a fridge back in our shop where we... Matter of fact, we they were David Beckham's barbers. They filmed a commercial in the shop, which is really, really huge. Pretty wild. There's the Orchata still of me... Partaking of a great blonde ale, right? Yeah. Uh, this was the white chocolate that we did on our pilot. That's the one where we struggled with the wax. So, as you can see, I've been a, a huge supporter of the brewery. And it's amazing because when, when the guy was here, that barber, you know, here they are from Portugal, they're touring. I don't know if you're how familiar you are with barbers, but it's really like a, socially and globally, it's taken on a really big life yeah. of, you know, kind of rock star status. And so they were here touring and they came by and, um, but yeah, he was a lawyer, but he felt his calling was to be a barber, and he was like a lawyer in London, and went back home to Portugal, and opened up in like some beach resort city of Lisboa, and hmm. he's, you know he's really successful. So I Good see, him. I see that in life, just like yourself, you came from, you know, having plan A, yeah. right? Which is obviously you don't go into law because it's, you know, like maybe you were a child and you watched. Kill a mockingbird, or you like law and order, and you know, you saw yourself (laughs) right that hardened prosecutor, but then to leave into something that's I mean, it's totally uncontrollable as far as the success because you're starting something new.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people go into law because they don't know what else to do, Mm -hmm. and uh, you can pretty much study anything in school and you could still get a law school, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it doesn't really matter. So, all right, let's uh, you know let's go do something for three years so we don't have to make a decision on what we're going to do with our lives. It's kind of where I was, Mm -hmm. but yeah, beer. Once I, once I discovered brewing, it uh, it was a pretty easy decision that that's where I belonged.
0: Mm -hmm. And the flavors, because one of the things I like doing is getting a bottle because some people may look at this and they may be thinking, you know, I could buy a 12 pack or a cube or a case or whatever the hell of whatever beer that all tastes the same. Yeah. I, I, Studies after studies have shown that, you know, American lagers, pretty much all are you, blind taste test. You can't really distinguish the two. Yeah. Very few can. stuff tough. Um, but because you're selling them in the 750 milliliter bottles. And one of the things I like to do, especially with wine drinkers, right? Because they're like, you know, pinky finger up. And I take a bottle over and they have these beers and they can't believe it's a beer yeah. because this style did it die out because of Prohibition of advantageous flavors with the ales and experimentation with different ingredients?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Prohibition definitely killed a lot of a uh, lot of great breweries mm-hmm. that uh, made a, a wide variety of beers. And then after Prohibition, a few of the larger breweries that were able to survive making malt extracts, uh, you know, were the bigger, bigger guys. And uh, they were ready to launch again, making mm-hmm. really uh, uninteresting beer.
0: Which were just all loggers, right? Pretty much.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely all. Uh, you know, people are, are you know the Budweiser, you know, from uh, from German descent, and uh, so they. I think their their beer is probably a little bit more interesting uh, back in those days, and then uh, it just became you know gradually less interesting mm-hmm. as uh, as it needed to appeal to a larger market.
0: Mm-hmm. Because this beer, it, it's you guys have a. a I've been to the tasting room and it gets packed. I mean, there's times where it's standing room only. Yeah, um, sorry about that. No, it's it's no, it's great. It's great because it's it's where you want to be. You know, if you go to it's like going to a restaurant if it's empty, you know, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure if you want to go there. Right. But you see somewhere that's packed, you know that it's it's really going because one thing I enjoy also because they have uh, you guys have stuff on tap, and then if you the the servers are very well and they're very knowledgeable they they can they'll sit there and they almost have a counseling session with you of beer <laughs> um, so what's your flavor like what's your palate like what do you like what what type of beer do you like and and they'll give you a little taste you know of, do you like that one before they pour you either a flight or yeah or you can get a flight cuz the flights also what a, you can select how many
1: uh do 5 on a on a, a mm-hmm. flight tray but you can order more if you want mm-hmm. yeah it's all about experimentation we have uh about 40 draft lines at our placentia location and i believe 48 uh draft lines or no maybe 46 draft lines over at uh brewery Mm true um so it takes a few visits and a a bunch of uh, taster flights to see uh, um you know to try our full range Mm -hmm. every week it changes you could have five new beers on every week
0: because you have the tasting room and then you actually have the brewery on site That's right. You could actually see the tanks from the tasting room, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Everything's made right there.
0: Yeah. So people can go there and they can see it's not only just, you know, having beer, but looking out at where it's probably being made.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you're there Monday through uh, Thursday, there's someone there brewing.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you have a store there, too, where you can purchase. uh, You could also get growlers, right? Yes, the
1: growlers? Yeah, do growlers and bottles to go and mm-hmm. T-shirts and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: What are your favorite flavors that you've done where you're like...
1: Boy. I mean, child, I know it's,
0: it's like picking a favorite child, but...
1: Yeah, it is. Um, you know, on our sour side, I, I'm loving our fruit series, uh, which is a uh, Berliner vices that are aged in these fooders. It's uh, almost 8,000 gallon Uh Oak tanks, mm-hmm. and then we'll add, uh, we'll do a series of different fruit flavors on them. So, uh, Boysenberry was delicious. We mm-hmm. just came out with Mango, which is awesome. Um, so, they're constantly changing, um, but it's the same, you know, same base beer, different type of fruit, and it's uh, so refreshing and delicious. You know, Black Tuesday is one of my one of my favorite beers. I don't get to drink it enough because it gets me kind of uh, wasted. So, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> and uh, we make a lot of variations on Black Tuesday, mm-hmm. like Chocolate Rain, where we add vanilla, and cacao, mm-hmm. um, uh, mocha. Or sorry, uh, Mocha Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We're adding. A, or so it's hap- so it happens. It's Wednesday, right? Or yeah, so it happens. It's Tuesday. Or Tuesday t- t- happens the, Tuesday. Kind of the more sessionable version at uh, fourteen to fifteen percent alcohol.
0: Yeah, there's an image of. This was the we did it after we filmed our uh real California art episode of an American rich barbershop and I had this I bought this bottle and it was an it was great I mean very similar it's not the same depth no. and complexity of the flavor of of this black Tuesday that I'm drinking right now yeah but the it so happens it's Tuesday is probably like the little brother yeah you know it's a very
1: I mean? similar recipe. yeah yeah um, yeah but uh yeah. has a little bit more, I would say, a little bit more body to it, but a lot less complexity. Mm-hmm. We don't have to age it as long. Because uh, this
0: bottle here, can anybody just go in and buy this? any of the Black Tuesdays?
1: No. So we generally sell a Black Tuesday one day a year. It's the last Tuesday of October. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sell it online and typically sell a few thousand bottles in an hour or so. Mm-hmm. And then that's pretty much it for the year. Sometimes we'll bring it back for uh, we'll do a, a special Christmas sale or an anniversary sale mm-hmm. and you know, put out a little bit, but uh, generally just one, once a year, which makes it really special and really fun. Have a great party. It surrounds that. Yeah,
0: because it becomes an exclusive item. It's not just another beer that anybody can just go buy. Right. It becomes something that people look forward to. They, you know, whatever, collect cans, whatever it is to pay for it. Yep. Um, and it becomes for an event i mean to actually partake just like today i mean we've had this bottle in the refrigerator for a few years and to me was like you know he's coming by and either way whether you know i was like we're gonna open this bottle it's gonna be opened who better to drink it with when the man because you guys have societies right yep yep explain those to us yeah
1: um so after this uh uh, this Black Tuesday release that we had in 2009. We had 700 people show up and um, it was awful. It took five hours to get through the line and I'd <laughs> tell a bunch of people, like, sorry, we're out of beer. Mm-hmm. I decided we, you know, we're ne- never going to treat our customers that way again. So we created these societies, which are beer clubs. Mm-hmm. First one was Reserve Society and uh, essentially it was, okay, you're you're part of our community. Uh, you get to buy these beers and really nobody else you know, will be able to buy these beers. Um, so I just worked as a kind of an efficient way uh and a, a good way to have our uh you know to i don't know extend loyalty to our customers and vice versa um so things like black tuesday for the first three years for you for first few years were generally only available to our society members and maybe a few lucky members of the public but uh-huh. um, yeah are more uh, small batch beers are generally just released through our societies. Uh-huh. We have preservation society, which you can join at any time, which is great. Um, that's kind of the stepping stone into reserve society. Uh-huh. So preservation is a kind of a quarterly club. Uh, we ship three different bottles of beer, uh, once a quarter and generally stuff that you won't, uh, won't find around. Um, and then reserve society is more of an annual commitment, about $300 a year. Um, Typically, it's only been preservation society members in the last few years that have been able to join reserve society. Mm-hmm. So we only have so many people who can join that, and then we have hoarder society, which is when those reserve society members spend too much money. Uh, you know, we <laughs> we want to be able to reward their uh, mm-hmm. their uh, I don't know excessive their their Uh, commitment their commitment yes yes (laughs) good thank you (laughs) no they're uh, great folks and uh huge huge fans of ours and i'm huge fans of theirs and um it's a great great relationship but generally society or reserve society members that have uh gone kind of above and beyond and we think that they deserve access to more
0: Mm -hmm. because in this society so you paying what is it what did you say it was quarterly
1: yeah uh so our preservation society is quarterly Mm -hmm. uh, so it's three bottles uh, once a quarter Um, we have special offers that they can uh, can buy uh, some additional beer throughout the year and then reserve is an annual fee of about $300 that includes beer but also gives you uh the ability to buy um our more limited beers throughout the year
0: cuz you not own, they can only they can pick it up there in the at the warehouse right right there on the Yeah. And, or they can get it mailed right?
1: Right. So yeah. it,
0: it's not just for people that are local
1: right yeah so our society fulfillment center is great great if you're local you can order your order your beer online and then anytime throughout the year come and pick it up from us Mm -hmm. um and we have people who aren't local who will uh will venture out a few times a year and pick up their beer Mm -hmm. and then if you're in california we can uh, ship it to you through golden state overnight Mm -hmm. um they do a great job getting getting our beer out there Mm -hmm. or if you live up in the bay area and you don't want to come down totally understand ship it up to you
0: because uh the um Matter of fact, I, I I don't have the image on me, but I had uh, which I'll I'll find it and then I'll post it on the podcast. Um, when I went up years ago, probably three or four years ago, and I went up to see Ed Hardy in San Francisco. Uh, you okay. guys provided a a care package for him. Oh, cool. and it was just awesome to see because you know it's part of it for me is you know that hometown pride, right? Like, look, man, it's being made like literally probably within a half mile from my house where I grew up at at least, and yeah. you know it's something that is. It's not just that, but it's something that you're not going to find anywhere, I, as far as I know. Because I know people yeah. always tell me, like, "Oh, you got to check out this brewery. You got to check out this one." And right away, I'm like, "Well, are they non-force carbonated?" <laughs> you know, I start <laughs> running down this list because it's as old world, at least in the manufacturing of letting things because it'll age. This bottle has aged, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, from when it was bottled, and what'd you say, 2013? Yep. Uh, the flavor of what it was in 2013 to what it is today in 27, four years later, yeah. is a different, I mean, not vastly different.
1: But it's a much better beer today than it was in <laughs> 2013.
0: Right? Because, yeah. I mean, this bottle, I think we paid maybe $50 for maybe at the time. I don't remember. Oh, something like that. Well worth it. Yeah. But, you know, I know we. I talked to a few friends and it you know, it was like $200 on the table. <laughs> <So> I'm like, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Because I know I, I've met hoarders, the Hoarder Society members. Yeah. I've been at the tasting room a few times. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, they're, they're fan in the true sense, you know, yeah. fanatical about it. I mean, I'm like, I'm hardcore, but I think these guys probably have it on their tattooed on their chest, you know, <laughs> because they're like, no, well, we, you know, we do it and you know, you don't even understand the flight, you know, the bottles that we get that nobody will get in the public. Yeah. Like we're getting the stuff that they're batching on thinking of releasing and then it doesn't go out to whatever, but they get those bottles. Yeah, it's awesome. It's exclusivity, right?
1: Yeah, it allows us to, you know, sometimes we only get access to, you know, we're going to use these grapes and, you know, they're from Napa and they cost a shitload and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we're only able to get, you know, a ton of them or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, it's uh, sometimes there's limits on what we're able, the ingredients that we're able to get. And Mm -hmm. the hoarder society gives us a way to make pretty small batches of beer and um, find a uh, equitable way of getting it out there. Yeah. If we had to reserve, you know, if we had to, if we didn't have the hoarder society and we just had to um, use the reserve society, there'd be a lot of people who wouldn't get beer and people are going to get very angry at me. And so, yeah, um, yeah it allows us uh, basically a way to release small batch beer.
0: Yeah. Cause I think it, what it, what it does, the societies, what they build is li- literally, I mean, cause you didn't just call it a beer club it yeah. really did build this society which is a group of people that have common interest right right maybe they just don't live in the you know whatever same geographical area but they have a common interest and common likes yeah. for your beer
1: yeah a lot of people a lot of society members have become friends didn't know each other before and uh-huh. you yeah, know other bus buds and um, yeah have a lot of events throughout the year so uh-huh. we feel it really is a community and not just a not just a club
0: cuz you just, just yeah you you guys just celebrated what was it the
1: uh, our ninth year.
0: Ninth year. Yeah. So it's been nine years since you were in law school. Yeah. Or right, roughly right around there.
1: Yeah, 11 years since I was in law school.
0: Yeah. So. And you started this adventure.
1: Yeah. Started the adventure 10 years ago and took a year to get open.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it took you a year to to get all the the I's dotted and the T's crossed. Yep, exactly. And here we are today. Yeah. Um, and recently, you guys also did. Did you guys get uh, a group got involved, right? A in, uh, group out of the East Coast?
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. Castanea Partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah, we have a new uh, new partner that uh, essentially is a investor. Um, and, yeah, they are part of a lot of really successful companies mm-hmm. and give them the capital to grow. And, uh, yeah, really, really happy to be working with them now.
0: Because mm-hmm. speaking of growing, I'm going to put an image up of how it is you guys are growing or at least expanding. Yeah. This is the offshoot beer company yep
1: yep offshoot beer yep. i got it on my chest here yeah. um yeah offshoot is our new uh hop focused mm-hmm. uh brand so we when we started out uh i didn't want to make any ipas i thought mm-hmm. the ipa market was at the time 2008 was saturated um obviously the you know they were the beers that i would love to drink on kind of a daily basis but um just didn't see a great opportunity for us as a kind of we thought we were very late in the game to be making beers like IPAs, so let's make ourselves uh-huh. a little bit more distinctive. And then, uh, what was it, about three months ago, we launched launched Offshoot Beer Company, so I broke my promise. But the brewery still never made an IPA, but Offshoot Beer Company has. So
0: <laughs> I so. do have to say I felt a bit... Uh <laughs> A bit brokenhearted because, you know, as you could see, I mean, every time I mention the brewery, I always talk about, you'll never find it in a can, never find it in a can. It's a 750 milliliter bottles or these growlers. And, and so, but because, it, it, yeah, I, and I remember I would even go there in the tasting room and they're like, no, we don't make IPAs. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and because you have two, you have fashionably late and better late than, na- than never. Yep. Uh, so you have uh, an IPA and then a double, right?
1: Yeah, so actually the brands change. We do two different releases per month, and this was the release in, what month is it? I guess that was April. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, every, so that's that's long gone. Everybody oh, so, okay, has consumed I, those beers. Oh,
0: okay, well, good. Then I haven't drank. I, Cambria, thank you, Cambria. She's always um, reaching out to me, and, oh, yeah. but uh, she sent me these, and I have these, and I haven't drank them yet because I'm... <laughs> I'm kind of trying to wrap my mind, not that I don't want to, but now I now I really don't want to drink them because I know that they were already released and they're no longer. So you're doing the same thing kind of like you do with some of the brewery where they're batched a certain time, and then that's it,
1: yeah, yeah. we're uh, for the first few releases, we're focusing on this uh, kind of low bitterness, hazier um, style of IPA. Um, And they fall off extremely quickly. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a month and a half is kind of the max for for these beers. Um, So we saw, you know, around the country there's been a a movement towards uh, being able to buy these really fresh beers directly from a brewery. They don't sit on store shelves for four months or six months or Mm -hmm. a year. Um, They're, you know, we have a, there's an avid base of customers who are you know, who want to buy beer directly mm-hmm. from a brewery and have it as fresh as possible? Mm-hmm. That's appealing to us. Um, that's kind of what's kept us away from the style of, from mm-hmm. IPAs. Is um, we want beers that are going to be able to sit on the shelf and either get better or you know have it be sort of neutral. We don't want beers that degrade really quickly because there's just a lot of old beer sitting on shelves right now. Yeah. Um.
0: So. Yeah. Whether they have a born on date or not, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. So what the hell's it? You know, and I, I think actually if that was actually publicized at least with this beer, because I wasn't aware of that. I mean, I yeah. I got the information and I was not aware that they were just limited, basically releases, right? That, right. I mean, this is not like a, some companies, they tried to do like a limited edition. No, this is like literally this batch will not exist at least in the near future. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If someone really, if, uh, if we if we uh, strike gold, we will probably release it again. But uh, yeah. so far, you know, we, probably for the first year or two years, we won't be re-releasing mm-hmm. beers, which is pretty exciting.
0: No, I'm 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 definitely now gonna leave them. And uh, will these age? Also, or are they um,
1: nope, do not age nope. these. They uh, they fall apart really quickly. Yeah, yeah, especially because they're <laughs> in a can. Yeah.
0: Um, so I'm I'm glad to see the offshoot, and I would definitely uh. See if I get my hands on some other ones, so I don't have to drink the ones I have because they're the first. <laughs> they're the first release. Yeah. Um. So, the future, the future of the brewery. Mm-hmm. So you have the 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 how do you say with the Terroir? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep Terroir, which are the sours.
1: Yeah. So in 2014, 2014, I think so, maybe 15. I don't know. Time time is flying, and yeah. I'm not keeping track of it very well. We launched uh, Brewery Chiru, which um, was essentially just separating out our sour and funky beers from our uh, clean and you know big barrel aged beers. Um, we at the time we uh, were separating our facilities so that there wouldn't be any cross contamination of mm-hmm. you know the bacteria and the wild yeast that we're using in the sour beers. Um, there's you know the potential of it. Mm -hmm. contaminating a clean beer a beer that you don't want to be sour Mm -hmm. so uh we now have a full separation and if we're gonna have a if we're gonna have a you know this own this this own home for uh for sour beer we should uh you know we could treat it a little bit differently it's Mm -hmm. part of our family but it's you know it's a little bit different there's a different Mm -hmm. uh there's a different set of talent that's working there you know the people who work there are focused only on sour beer Mm -hmm. and wild beer which is amazing um, we don't have to be a jack-of-all-trades. We, we have specialties now. Mm-hmm. So, Brewery terou, uh came into existence. Teru means earthy in French, mm-hmm. so or from the earth. Um, and a lot of our sour beers are, well, pretty much everything we make is from the earth because mm-hmm. that's where uh, barley grows and hops grow and yeah. all that fun stuff. But um, we feel like uh, Brewery Teru, with the extensive use of fruit and wood and all that was a mm-hmm. uh, really strong connection to the earth, and together with some of the earthier notes that you'll get from Britannomyces, mm-hmm. uh, you know, barnyard and weather and hay yeah, uh, yeah. sort of aromas and flavors. Um, so that's kind of the reasoning behind that and uh, creates kind of a separation when you're looking when you're at the beer store and you see uh, Brewery True. You can know those are funky and sour beers. And when you see the brewery, um, those are more big barrel-aged beers and Mm -hmm. belgian styles and culinary inspired beers
0: because when you say the the sours they're 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 almost like a sour tart it's not that like sour like uh you know sharp right like the sharp sour that just makes you like you just sucked on a lemon head right you know it's it's um
1: depends on the beer i guess
0: yeah i i i I, have not you know i've drank a few of those and yeah i think you guys did you guys put the saison rue in that line
1: we did yeah, yeah is on Rue has the Britannomiasse, so I yeah, fell we, under that.
0: which is one of the. I, I think that was, I think I had the mischief. I think mischief was maybe my first brewery beer that I had, awesome. and I quickly just kind of tumbled along because the one thing about the beer that I've discovered is that it's not f- flavored beer. You yeah. know, like what I'm talking about, like so, some beer companies, right? Um, they do say a blueberry, yeah, or a watermelon. And it tastes like beer, with a whole bunch of flavor injected into it. But it doesn't yeah. taste like actual beer made with those ingredients. Right. From it's what I've
1: just pretty common. Yeah.
0: And that's the thing that I keep, you know, advocating for all my uh, connoisseurs slash winos is that hey, look, guys, beer can be actually. You don't need a 12 pack. You know, if you if you want a 12 pack of some light beer, you, you know whatever, but. This one, one or two, especially at a dinner or an event or just to relax with a friend yeah, is good because it's actually beer. if like the white chocolate. Uh, it's got, uh, was it cocoa in there? Yeah. Uh, from what I can remember. Uh, and I think vanilla nibs in there. Exactly. And t- t- it's not stuff that's artificially added into there.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the real, it's, it's the real flavor. It's, it's actually not the, produced. Yeah. With no, no extracts.
0: Those, like, I think I had a cherry once. And I don't remember exactly what it was called. And and you would look and there was like, I I don't know what it was. Some maybe pulp or something from the cherry or something.
1: I'm sorry about that. No, it was. was,
0: (laughs) No, the thing was, is that it was it it lend to the credibility of the beer. Yeah. To me, it's it's not beer that's trying to mimic something else, but retaining the characteristics of beer.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go to a great restaurant and they serve you. You know, you have a a vanilla scented, you know, black cod or something like that. And they just end up pouring like vanilla extract and all those chemicals all over. You'd be like, what the fuck? Uh, I paid $40 for this piece of fish. Like, you know, integrate that vanilla in a, I want like real vanilla beans somehow, you know, being used, not uh, not some fake crap.
0: It's the artificial introduction of flavor. Right. And that's the one thing that I've been the biggest proponent of with, with, with the brewery is that, It it great creates that experience even more so. Like I said, whether I've had people, we've uh, when I had the the other day when we drank. um, uh, It so happens it's Tuesday. uh, The guy, he actually the guy I drank with, the camera operator Matt Two Strikes. He uh, he loves like you know mixed drinks whatever too. Yeah. And so he had it. He goes, he could not believe it was beer. He goes, it almost wants to take on the characteristics of a of a mixed drink, but it's not. You know, yeah, it, it's. I think that's the part where people kind of get to tap in to almost a a worldwide pastime because I think they I saw this show once of these people that found these beer recipes in tombs or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, and they would recreate <laughs> with dates yeah. and.
1: Like Sam from Dog the Shed is big on that. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and to me, it's like beer making is very ancient, right? How far yeah. back do you know offhand?
1: Um I wanna say two thousand BC, but I have I have really yeah. no idea. But yeah, it's a very ancient um, craft and is you know, typically uh typically women would be uh would be the brewmasters, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Uh relied upon to uh, to get everybody drunk. <laughs> <laughs> the story goes that uh, yeah. <laughs> that they were making uh the Egyptians were making bread and um some, you know, a rain came and got this bread wet and mm-hmm. uh, kind of sat in this puddle and uh, sat for a few days or maybe a day and I guess wild yeast carried by the wind came in mm-hmm. and it started fermenting and someone uh, probably stupid enough I guess stupid enough or smart enough to uh, to give right, it a shot yeah. and like oh wow <laughs> doing something tastes good and it's doing something to me
0: he told his wife I love you and she goes let's make more of this stuff Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's really happy now uh, yeah, and that's man. part of the amazing thing is that you guys are you, – what which, which you started, in at least in the brewery line, because, like I said, uh, there's a lot of brewers. But in what you started, I think it harkens back to that. You know, maybe it's not the stuff of the pharaohs, you know. And I, I know people try to replicate it, and they're like, oh, this stuff's undrinkable, you know. <laughs> um, but it, it harkens back to a very ancient profession and craft and art of experimentation with what you have, right?
1: Yeah. You think back to those days, I mean – there the, weren't styles. There was, you know, there were just ingredients. There was no like, hashtags. Yeah. <laughs> what do we have around us that we can use? We yeah. have honey. We have, you know, we have wheat and we have barley maybe and rice. And, yeah. Yeah. You because know, so. this
0: has... Um, spices. Do all the beers at the brewery, uh, they all have yeast in them?
1: Um, yeah. Most of our beers are... Uh, so, we, so we really don't own a filter. We own a centrifuge, which can take out some of the yeast, but mm-hmm. uh, everything is packaged with some yeast in it. And that helps the beer, um, essentially makes it a living beer. So the yeast continues to live. Um, so as you, as we bottle it, a little bit of oxygen is introduced. Oxygen is really bad Mm -hmm. for beer. That yeast is, uh, basically metabolizing that oxygen. Consuming it. yeah. Often goes through a little re-fermentation process Mm -hmm. and that yeast continues living for quite a long time. And, um, there's, you know, an evolution of the beer Mm -hmm. from the yeast, but then there's for a beer like black Tuesday, um, it's so alcoholic that the yeast isn't very happy or it's not going to do very much. But um, over the years, you'll get uh, a mellowing of the alcohol and you'll get um, some oxidation, which in a beer like this is really beneficial. It mm-hmm. gives some of those deeper caramel mm-hmm. and sherry port-like notes, mm-hmm. which uh, which we love in this beer.
0: So it, that's that even adds a whole other characteristics to it, which I never thought about. I knew the whole process of, you know, it, it's it, it ages and, you know, it's got yeast, but I never thought of it as a living beer.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating, it, isn't it? it?
0: It just like totally blew my mind right there. When you said that, I thought that is, um, I mean, we're literally drinking these, what are they microorganisms or whatever Yeah. from 2013 and God knows when they came even before then because yeast right. kind of is in the air apparently, right? Don't they say?
1: yeah yeah over at the brewery we try not to use any yeast that's in the air yeah no but i'm just saying in <laughs> general brewery Tarrou, yeah sure it exists yep that's core, absolutely um and it, you know with brewery true's beers uh, there's a big evolution from when we package it till till uh, when we release it and then even six months a year later yeah, um, you know, the Brettanomyces will create levels of funk that weren't there before. It's, it's so you, fun. Guys, you
0: guys treat it, so people don't have to freak out. Like, oh, hey, man, these people are just putting whatever. No, they, it's all treated. It's all processed. It's yeah. all quality controlled. It's all not safe. like I drink it yeah. all
1: myself. So if I die from <laughs> from my own beer, then then you could be concerned.
0: <laughs> hey, quality control is essential. Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to be happy with what has your name on there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so people don't have to worry about that. And and it is. It's tapping back into, I can't honestly think of very many industries or, you know, crafts that actually can tap back into something. I mean, barbering's one, you know, and it's amazing because not only in the tombs did they find razors, they also found beer, right? Or at least vats that had beer or remnants of what beer was. Right. Because in the afterlife, the God, the Pharaoh, was to have a good time. Yeah. If he didn't have a good time. he's was going to have beer and a barber. Barbers actually were killed and buried around their tombs huh. uh, so they could look good that, in nice. the afterlife. Yeah. And, and that's so they kind of, for me, kind of go hand in hand, you know, at least for me and what I look at. Yeah.
1: I hear your hair keeps growing when you die. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: They have the hair and nails uh, for whatever proteins and stuff are left in our bodies i yeah. uh, don't know if the beer belly grows but <laughs> <laughs> and that's a i also enjoy about the brewery is that it, it is that moment where you can actually enjoy it. it to me it's a different buzz it's not that buzz that's going to get you like on the five freeway running naked you know uh, yelling you know and get arrested by the cops yeah it's not one of those it's one of those i don't want to say it's i'm a gonna del- go to bed <laughs> Kind of like, (laughs) yeah, like I had a shitty day and I just, yeah, yeah, you you don't, I think the brewery in the way that it's made and the way it's packaged for me, it encourages drinking responsibly because I, I don't, I've never seen anybody get crazy. I've, I've been to events where parties, you know, there's a few bottles around and it doesn't turn into like this, you know, national Enquirer headline story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with our beers, our uh, customers are—they're drinking it for the flavor and the alcohol is a byproduct mm-hmm. rather than the alcohol being the primary purpose. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of a lot of drinks where, say the martini for example, eh, mm-hmm. it's about alcohol delivery it's, mm-hmm. uh, rather than flavor delivery. I feel like we're more about flavor delivery and alcohol is just a, uh, a side benefit.
0: Because like this one, would you say was 13 or 18? This one's 18.2. So it's 18.2, and it creates. A good, even, relaxing vibe. It's not this like wine. Wine is typically higher, a lot higher than beer, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, at least in the alcohol by volume. And this one is just this really nice, mellow. It's not probably like what because the monks, the monks love beer, right? At least yeah. ancient monks. Yeah. In uh, Europe, right? Yeah. I think that was probably the first actual like non-big beer company I got involved with or drank was Whitcap, Whitcap Pater. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't believe when the guy told me that there was yeast in there. And he goes, look at the bottom. You see that little white film mm-hmm. on that bottom of the little dome? Right. That's yeast. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Champagne type beer, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I've enjoyed about the brewery is that you guys are doing great flavors. Uh, I think you guys just released, uh, was it a wayava? maybe?
1: Oh, uh, the uh, guava libre. Guava,
0: guava libre. yeah, yeah. And there's so many more, because you guys have, yeah. where are you guys at, com.
1: Yep, thebrewery.com and breweryteroo.com, spelled, so the, spelled the weird way, B-R-U-E-R-Y.
0: Okay, and then the other the one, is it, is it with the T-X or is it, or T-R-Y?
1: Uh, or so is T-E-R-R-E-O-X. Mm-hmm.
0: And you guys are on social media?
1: Yep. We have a bunch of different social media accounts. <laughs> we have uh, at the brewery, uh, spelled the weird way, B-R-U-E-R-Y, and then uh, Brewery true. B-R-U-E-R-Y-T-E-R-R-E-U-X. And uh, I think we have social media accounts for our tasting rooms and for our societies. So mm-hmm. just do a search for a brewery on uh, any social media platform, and you'll probably find quite a few accounts.
0: So where do, you, where, where do you see the brewery in five years from now?
1: Oh, boy. Well, uh, we are working on um, basically getting our uh, getting our memberships to the east Coast so mm-hmm. we'll have an announcement pretty soon on uh, what we're doing on that front um, we'll probably uh, look at uh, creating some more uh, places to buy our beer within California mm-hmm. and of course uh, focusing on our our uh, great dis- distribution network and uh, just getting more more of our interesting beers out to a wider audience and
0: mm-hmm.
1: letting everybody enjoy what we do
0: because people, if they don't have it, even in like say whatever their local market, they can ask. They can go ask their man, the manager there. I want you to carry this beer. They can request it, and then sure. they can find the contact. I think even at my uh, liquor mart up here in Whittier, they have probably one of the biggest selections that I've seen locally. Nice of the brewery. Yeah, uh, they even have a glass case with some bottles. <laughs> wow,
1: fancy! <Yeah, laughs> yeah. Got to check that. Out.
0: Well, yeah, I sit there and kind of just fog it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so people can do that. They can find you online, and you do ship certain states, right?
1: Uh, we can ship only within California, but uh, yeah, keep out, uh, keep an eye out for our East Coast uh, uh, center that we'll be opening up. Pretty soon, and uh, we're available in 29 states. So you can go on our website, and there is a beer beer finder enter yeah. your zip code, and you can see what uh, what what's available within a 10 mile radius or a 50 mile radius, yeah, yeah. Or, whatever or they it is. can always
0: request it from their store. Oh, they yeah. can request to have the brewery available. Please do. Uh, and country wise, what do you guys?
1: Um, we're you know ninety seven percent sold in the U S, but uh, we do sell uh, a bit of beer in Europe. Um, you know the Denmark and mm-hmm. uh, UK, um, Italy, Belgium, mm-hmm. uh, Japan. Um, I think we're in Taiwan, mm-hmm. uh, Thailand. A bunch of bunch of cool places I want to visit, but uh, don't get the chance to. <laughs> 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 Australia, and New Zealand yeah. as well.
0: Mm. No, I. I oh, so if you could describe. And one word, the brewery. Yeah. What would that word be?
1: Um, fearless. Fearless. Without being extreme. Just, yeah. Not we're, too cliche. We lack, we lack the ability to be afraid of anything. We, we're going to try. We want to try everything. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, we'll mm-hmm. try something new. But, yeah, we experiment a lot on our pilot system. We have a great staff uh, who... Uh, we'll brew, you know, these hundred gallon batches will brew probably four different beers every Mm -hmm. week. Um, and that just allows us to, um, you know, what, what opportunities aren't we, uh, haven't we thought of yet?
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I like that, that fearless sense, because it's not the, I hate to say, I don't, I know a few companies that have been bought out by the big,
1: the big dogs
0: and maybe they now get the shelf space alongside them. And they're still kind of marketed as a craft beer company.
1: Yeah. Taking over the airports. Mm -hmm. Can you find anything, any craft beer other than those craft beers owned Mm -hmm. by a certain company? Yeah. Very difficult.
0: And then you guys are remaining true to that true craft sense of you haven't sold your soul to the devil, at least yet, that I know of, (laughs) um, or to one of the big companies for that shelf space and production value, and it's nothing against them. I mean, good for them, right? Yeah. It just means I'm not going to drink their stuff, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, a sign of the times of I think people just think people think maybe success is volume, is yeah. numbers, right?
1: Yeah. I think craft beer is uh, it's become a business. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, in 2008 and earlier you know, earlier it was um, you know it was it was a pretty quaint thing and we were a niche uh the the big brewers didn't really pay much attention to what we were doing and didn't didn't see us as a threat and mm-hmm. so that that changed uh, probably in 2012 2013 mm-hmm. and um uh now uh now the big guys have a very good uh good position and um you know and beer that tastes like craft beer mm-hmm. so it's interesting times but there's so many great breweries out there and um uh, just because you can't find it at a stadium or an airport doesn't mm-hmm. mean that uh that the great, you know, great brewers aren't going to be successful.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm gonna remain a loyal supporter of the brewery because I think I enjoy it and it's good product because it's, it's, wow, the living beer part makes it even kind of more uh, in depth. I mean, I'm, my mind's still trying to r- get wrapped around that concept, uh, and because the flavors and, and everything that you guys are doing, you guys are doing it right. You're doing it. You're staying true to nice. yourselves. You Thank know? you. We're trying. What would you do? You remember what your because in your philo- in your business plan when you started it, uh, do you remember offhand what your vision statement was? Shit, no, <laughs> it's like a paragraph, and
1: it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty lofty, but I think we've done a lot of those things.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that's what visions are supposed to be, and those are dreams. Those are dreams that can manifest in reality through staying true to yourself, because it's not. Yeah, it's not the the mass market. It's like anything else that's mass market produced reduces its, you know, viability in the long haul because people don't really want it anymore. You know, now there's a yeah. big resurgence in craft goods, right? Yep. American made, salvaged denim, you know, handmade goods, because people want something that's real, authentic, that they know a human being was behind it because you're brewers. Yeah. How many are in your team of brewers?
1: boy I think we have about uh, six people who rotate on the uh, on the brew house mm-hmm. yeah all, all very talented guys. Uh, we don't have any women yet that are brewers but uh, we, we would love some so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's um, great but yeah
1: yeah we have a great team.
0: It sounds like you guys have a very open environment at least for people's ideas and I mean the, the fact that the hoarder society exists because of these experimental beers, Shows you guys aren't just staying in one lane going, okay, like whack-a-mole, right? Let's just stand here and smack the same hole. Right. Let's keep seeing what else can work, and that's...
1: Yeah, we get bored very easily, or I get bored very mm-hmm. easily. Probably people get bored with me, but <laughs> <laughs> changing things so often. But, um, yeah, I think if we stay doing the same exact thing, uh, we're going to become obsolete at some point. Mm-hmm. So things have to constantly change to... Um. To keep keep interesting to our customers,
0: mm. no, and it'll keep uh, keep my interest. So, uh actually, I would like to give you a shirt. What are you? Large, extra large?
1: I'm a two X. Right, I'm a big boy. I'm gonna. Oh. I want to fit into an XL. So, give me one of those, and okay. it'll be an aspirational goal. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, I'll have to uh, see what I have here. So, I'll give you a extra large shirt. This is from our podcast. Awesome, thank um, you. um Beautiful. That way you can uh, sport it around, and I know it says Whittier now, but that's where I'm at. But Sweet. the Placentia is always my heart and soul. Beautiful. So I'd like to thank you, man. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap up this episode?
1: Thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. I had a great time with you, and uh, hopefully keep in touch. And we'll get you some get you some beer.
0: No, I, I I still say that some taps fit. We pulled this table out. <laughs> yeah, You're <it'd be> perfect. <laughs> then I don't have to have any other book company here that <laughs> bottles. But uh, and thank you Cambria for um, uh, responding and uh, you know making this happen. And uh, yeah, thank you Cambria. Yeah, I'm very per- very persistent. But uh, so that'll wrap up this episode. So you can find the brewery on their website, social media, and you can find us at gentlemensavenuecom dot forward slash the lodgecast. Instagram at LodgeCast, Twitter at the LodgeCast. So until next time, be well, my friends.